Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. We're kicking off this new series called Icon today. And as we do that, let's uh, read from Colossians chapter 1. We're actually each week going to be studying a portion of a chapter of the book of Colossians. This series, Icon, is really an, a, a study of the book and the message of, the, of Colossians. Here's what Paul wrote in uh, chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, and we're talking about Jesus Christ, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the, of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And that's why you know, as you sit here today, that your sins are forgiven, your guilt is gone. Paul continues, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. What does that look like? That's a question that gets asked quite often. In the business world, maybe it's a, it's a question about the budget. Maybe a budget just got approved, and what's that going to look like if we adopt and follow this budget? Among your friends, it might be a conversation about their recent vacation. We just went overseas, or we just went to an island paradise. Well, what did that look like? And then, of course, you know what that is. That's, uh, that's inviting them to invite you to their house for a good hour long of seeing all their pictures about that island paradise. Maybe uh, a friend, a, girl, a girlfriend, a buddy, comes to your house one day and says, Wow, I just met someone new. Right? And as soon as those words are out of, of your buddy's mouth, your, your girlfriend's mouth, you're like, mm, wonder what she, wonder what he looks like. Got a picture? In my, um, in my cell phone, Jonathan likes to make a point every week for some reason of mentioning that I'm a grandfather. And I am, and I'm proud to be a grandpa. And in my cell phone, when you open it up, the first thing that pops up is a picture of my beautiful granddaughter because I want to be reminded of what she looks like. What does God look like? 
That's a question that a lot of people ask too, isn't it? And it's a question that the Bible talks about. In fact, the Bible talks about the image of God, doesn't it? Right from the first chapters of the Bible, it talks about the image of God. In fact, this sermon theme, uh, the, the theme of the series is icon. And do you know what the word icon literally means? Its chief definition is image. There's a camera company. They spell, uh, spell it a little weirdly. But there's a camera company called Icon. And they make cameras so that they can capture photo images. It's tough to talk about God's image or what God looks like, isn't it? It's kind of hard because you and I know from the Bible that God physically doesn't look like anything. I mean, the Bible tells us that God is a spirit. He doesn't have flesh and bones. And so talking about what God looks like is really kind of talking about something different. It's talking about what does God look like spiritually. And it's talking about what does God's heart looks like. What what does God reveal about his heart toward his world? What does God reveal about his heart toward you and and toward me? I think a lot of people want to know what God's heart looks like. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks. And here's the point. This book of Colossians that we're going to be studying for the next four weeks makes a very simple, straightforward point. If you want to know what God looks like, you only need to look at one place. Look at Jesus Christ. In fact, it's kind of interesting in John chapter 1, You and I know that one of the ways to understand God's heart and understand what God looks like is by reading the Bible. The Bible is the revelation of God. That's a great way to get to know what God is like. In John chapter 1, the gospel of John chapter 1, you know what Jesus is called? Jesus is called the word of God. He is the one that truly reveals to us what God is, along with all the rest of the scriptures, of course, which point, all of them really point to Jesus Christ. In one way, we could say that the Bible is all about Jesus. And that's the point of the book of Colossians 2. Take a look at your uh, crosswalk notes. I want to point out something to you. John chapter 1, verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God. Because he's spirit. But God, the one and only, the one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who is God, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Do you want to know who God is and what he's like? All we have to do is look at Jesus. He is the visible image of the invisible God. Let's talk a little bit why it is so important for us to understand what God is like, what he looks like. Sometimes, you and I, we get ourselves into sticky situations in life, don't we? Where we just wish that we had a little more power. Our life is kind of messed up and it's kind of like we're we're trying to fix all the problems and clean up our lives with a broom and we, we wish we had a blower. And that we could just quickly clean up all that mess, all those sticky situations that are in our life. We wish we had more power. 
One of the most important things about knowing what God is like, what he looks like, is to know that he is the one who has that more power that, that you and I need. Maybe you're going through a time right now where you're really struggling in your marriage relationship. You feel like your, your marriage that you put so much time and effort and investment of your heart into is just falling apart at the seams. Isn't it interesting that in this passage it says that it is in Jesus that all things hold together? You want to have more power for your marriage? All things hold together in Jesus Christ. Maybe it's a life beyond your marriage, just your life in general that's crumbling. Maybe you're, you're swinging toward addictions because there's just too much pain and you're looking for a way to numb that pain. Maybe you're upside down in your finances and one worry after another is just coming at you. This passage says that Jesus is the head over all things in our universe, including your life. Maybe it's a conflict in your workplace. I, I had an interesting interaction earlier this week. We, uh, we had some ants in our cabinet, so we called the bug guy in at our house. And uh, there he was spraying, and all of a sudden, he just started talking about how he just wishes that the, his bosses would listen to him, that he, he has some ideas. He wants this company to be so successful, but he feels like he's butting his head up against the wall. And can't, can't help the company be successful because they don't know how to dialogue and talk to each other at his company. You ever feel like that? At your place of business? Wherever you work? Like, you want to help them succeed and they just won't let you? The Bible... Colossians tells us that Jesus is the king of the entire universe. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Lord of your boss too. And he can help you with that power and that authority. Maybe it's your relationship to God that you know is not even close to what it should be. And isn't that the most horrible brokenness of all? The worst sticky situation that any of us could be in is to know that our relationship to God himself is not what it should be. Maybe you're carrying around some, some guilt and shame from some things that you did a long time ago, or maybe it was yesterday. And you're saying to yourself, I know that what I'm doing is not right. I am guilty. And how can I expect God to love someone like me when what I'm doing is this? And you'd like to know, is there enough power to clean up that spiritual mess that I'm creating in my life. And in this passage today from the book of Colossians chapter 1, you're going to receive the promise that God has that power, especially above all, to clean up the guilt and the shame and the sin in your life and to give you a new life and a new path. What a comfort to know that you and I, we have the greatest power in the universe to tap into. Is that not awesome to know that? Many of you, when you were younger, when you got into sticky situations that you didn't know how to deal with, you looked up to your big brother. And it was so cool that you had someone that you could go, man, bro, I, you know, I'm struggling with this guy. This guy wants to beat me up or whatever it is, Right? And you looked up to that big brother and you said, can you help me please? 
And you knew that he had the power and the wisdom. He had what it took to get you out of that situation. And he would because he loved you. That's what you have in Jesus. You have a big brother who loves you and who is powerful beyond measure and he wants to help you no matter what your situation, your circumstances are in life, no matter how broken things might seem to be. Remember last week as we wrapped up our um, Operation Go series? Do you remember how that passage started, the one that we spent so much time studying last week, Matthew chapter 28? How did Jesus start that? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I put it in your crosswalk notes. We wrapped up last week's series with that message, and we're starting this series with the same message. Christ has all authority, whether it be in heaven or on earth. He has the power. And the Apostle Paul makes this point over and over and over again in his letters. We're studying Colossians today. I put a passage in your crosswalk notes from the book of Philippians. Look at what he wrote to the Philippians. Therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Would you do me a favor? Would you underline or circle that phrase, God exalted him to the highest place? There is no one higher or more powerful than Jesus. Your spouse that you're struggling with right now, he or she is not higher than Jesus. Your boss that you're worried about right now, he or she is not higher than Jesus. Any problem that needs to be cleaned up in your life, that problem is not higher than Jesus. Jesus is at the highest place. And he has the name that is above every name, and at that name, every knee bows. So know that when we look at Jesus, he is the very picture of God's power. He's the image of God's power. Do you remember his first miracle? It's an amazing story. Very first miracle. And I'm going to tell you this because some of you are thinking, well, I don't know if Jesus wants to deal with my piddly little problems. Jesus' very first powerful miracle was his mother coming to him at a wedding and saying, they don't have enough wine here. And Jesus at first seemed to say, well, I'm not going to deal with that. But then you know the story. He comes back a little bit later and he says, bring out some jars filled with water, right? And he changed things, didn't he? You want things to be changed in your life? It's Jesus who can change things. He changed that water into wine. And in fact, it was such fantastic wine that everybody went, what? 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 What were these guys thinking? They, they brought out the cruddy wine first and then saved this great wine for, for last. That's not the way parties are held. You bring out the good stuff first. And then give the cruddy stuff later on. What happened? Well, because they didn't know that it was Jesus who had done that. 
I'm telling you this because I want you to know that whether your problems are big or whether they're small, Jesus, your big brother, wants to help powerfully in your life. Let's move on to the second point. Jesus is the very picture of God's power. But Jesus is more than that. Sometimes in our world, we get a lot of confusing messages about who God is. And and I'll tell you, I want to talk today because I believe that there are kind of two extremes out there in what's presented about who God is. And we can't go to either extreme because neither extreme is what the Bible teaches. Some of us don't like to think, and I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm one of those, about a certain aspect of God very often. Because it's scary to think of that particular aspect of God. It makes me want to run away. It might make you want to run away. In fact, it not only makes some people be frightened and want to run away, it makes some people literally angry to think about this aspect of God's personality. Do you know what that aspect is? It is the fact that God is holy. He is pure. He is righteous. He is without any sin. And in fact, he is vigilant and he is passionate about ridding this world of all evil. Do you know why that makes me want to run away and sometimes makes me angry? makes me want to run away because when I look in my own heart, I see the evil there that God wants to rid the world of. And that's scary. It's scary to hear God's law. It's scary for me to think about being one of those people that Jesus turned around on and confronted because they were trying to bring about some evil in the world even while he walked among them. But that's who I am. I am sinful. I'm a sinner. And that evil is not just out there in the world. It's right in here in me. I face it every day, and you do too. It's attitudes of our heart. It's actions we take. It's words we speak. And and it's scary. And sometimes, yes, it makes me mad. Why does God have to be so holy? Are you kidding me? Can he understand if I slip up and trip up once in a while? What kind of God would get angry every time I sin? God who's holy, who can't abide evil in any form in the world, that's the kind of God that would do that. And in fact, he is so holy that in the book of Revelation when he is pictured on his throne and there are people standing around singing the very first words out of their mouth and that hymn is what? Are what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Take a look. I put it in your crosswalk notes. Holy. Maybe this is one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit, right? So that we know that every person of the Trinity is holy. 
holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Guess what? This holy God, he says, is not going away. (laughs) Not going away. He was, he is, and he is to come. And guess what? Here's another thing. It is not child's play to deal with God's holiness. Check out all the way from the book of Genesis to Revelation. When people are dealing with God and his holiness, they are normally flat on their faces begging for mercy. It is not child's play. Jesus one time was preaching in the synagogue. Mark chapter 1 tells us about it. It was the Sabbath day, went into the synagogue. And uh, in the midst of his preaching, there was a man there that had an evil spirit inside of him. And that evil spirit could not even stand to be in the same room with the holiness of Jesus present in that room. I put that passage in your crosswalk notes too. Notice what that evil spirit says, and this is truth. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? He knew. He knew what God has to do in his holiness. He has to destroy evil. And that's what's so scary to me. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now I'll tell you, if that was the last word on God's personality, I would be heading for the hills. I would be trying to do whatever I could do to burrow down in some cave, find a submarine to get down to the very depths of the bottom of the ocean and hope somehow that God would miss me. But that's not the last word. How glorious it is that that is not the last word that we have about God. God's law reveals God in all his holiness, but the last word is the teaching that we call the gospel. God's greatest word, the one that fills out that other side of his personality, the, the side of, the, of his personality that is the one that operates in our lives as children of God, is the side that says God is love. And that Jesus came not for the healthy. He came for those who are spiritually unhealthy. He didn't come to find the already found. He came to find the lost, he says. He even says, I'll leave the 99 who already understand about me behind to go find that one who still doesn't know about my love and my mercy and my forgiveness. I want everyone to know about that that I love them. And that's the last greatest word about God and his personality. You know, I don't know if any of you (laughs) read the paper this morning yet. Front page, bottom. Ending cycle of crime, ex-cons get helping hand. You know what this article is about? It's about zip code 85041. And it's about the fact that in that zip code, 85041, live a disproportionate amount 
of former criminals, prisoners who have been released from prison and now have come to settle in 85041. 6%, the article says. You know what zip code, by the way, Crosswalk is in? Let me just say it for you. It's 85041. What are we going to do about that? Are, are we going to not let those people know about this amazing love and grace that God has that caused him to send his son, Jesus Christ, and caused Jesus to do things in such a way that all that righteous, holy side of God was satisfied? All the guilt and all the sin and all the shame all the punishment that was deserved by the world, it was poured out by God on his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Is that not amazing? That not amazing? And he did that so that he could continue to love this world, to love you, to love this community. Let me read you a little bit from page 8. In the 85041 zip code area, crime and poverty meet in a cycle that spans generations. An Arizona Republic analysis of the census government marketing data show that the area covered by that zip code is among the poorest in the valley. About half of all households receive some form of public assistance, such as welfare, food stamps, and state-funded health insurance, a rate substantially higher than the average for other valley neighborhoods. About one-third of adults older than 25 in the area have less than a ninth-grade education, and the rate of juvenile delinquency is among the highest in the valley. 85041. In the 85041 area south of the Salt River between Central and 43rd Avenues is a hotbed of crime and gang activity. Guys, don't leave yet. I know some of you are thinking about fleeing. The South Mountain Police Precinct, which includes 85041 and surrounding zip code areas, is one of six precincts in the city, but it was the scene of nearly one-third of the city's homicides in the past fiscal year. Now listen to this. It's a struggle for the soul of the neighborhood. David Smith, the county manager, said, it's a struggle for what will be the dominant culture in a neighborhood. Is it guns, gangs, and drugs? Now keep in mind that it's Father's Day as I read this next question. Or is it jobs, education, and family? So what are we going to do? Boy, we better get out of here. Or are we going to say, no, we're digging our heels in here. This is where that powerful big brother, Jesus Christ, is needed more than ever, more than anyone else, anywhere else. This is where that personality that we just learned about, the personality of God that says he wants to rid the world of evil, his holiness, and make things clean. And that he also loves to help the lost and the hurting and the lonely and the sinner.
We have to dig our heels in here because that is the mission that God has set us on. We just spent six weeks talking about how God's grace in Christ can change lives, including lives like the ones that were described in that article. Take a look at your crosswalk notes, will you? Notice what it says in 1 John 4, 7-9. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Circle that. God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. How can we leave? And I'm not suggesting there's been any talk of us leaving. Never has there been talk of that. And there won't be. Because this is love. That God sent his one and only son for the world, for you, and for 85041. It's confirmed. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Jesus is the very picture of God's personality. His holiness, yes. But his tremendous love, too. You know, there are some um, not only miscalculations about what God's heart looks like, people who may, on the one hand, not want to think about God's holiness. And certainly, by the way, also out there is the other extreme, that people don't want to talk about God's love. You've probably encountered even some Christ followers who are like that. Judgmental, pointing the finger, they do not really want to talk about the grace of Jesus Christ. Those are extremes. That is not a true picture of God's heart and God's personality. God is holy, but his last greatest word is that he is gracious and loving and forgiving. That being said, there is also sometimes a miscalculation about what God's purpose for you is. There are people, for example, if you check out the airwaves today, there are people who will tell you that God's purpose for you is for you to think your way back to him. For you to, to meditate and to contemplate, and that if you can get smart enough by looking within yourself, you will work your way back to God by being a smarter person about God. There are people who will say, you can rule follow your way back to God. And they'll try to lay out for you all kinds of uh, things that, um, that if you follow this or that rule, then you can work your way back to God. And you can earn your way back to God by these rules. And finally, there are people out there today who teach that you can suffer your way back to God. That it's by giving stuff up. That it's, uh, it's by suffering enough, by being a martyr. If, you, uh, if you'll just avoid eating certain things, 
If you'll just sell all that you have. If you'll, and, and they'll just devise hundreds of different ways for you and me to suffer enough. And, and by our suffering, we can work our way back to God. You know what's interesting? Every one of those kinds of messages that we hear in our world today, those messages were there also in the days of the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to the Colossians. In fact, this book of Colossians was written specifically to tackle those three errors about what God's purpose for you is. God's purpose for you is not to think and contemplate and meditate your way back to God. You're not going to work your way back to God by being smart enough. It doesn't work that way, Paul says. God's purpose for you is not to rule follow your way back to God and try to work and earn your way back to him. That clearly does not work either, Paul says. And finally, you cannot suffer your way back to God either. It's not by being a martyr that you restore your relationship with God. You know what Paul says? He says all of those is us trying to elevate ourselves to God. And he says that God went about it a completely different way. Instead of asking you and me to elevate ourselves back up to to, to him, he says, I want to come down to your level. I'm going to lower myself down to you. I'm going to meet you where you're at. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to be like us. And what did Jesus teach about these things? Deep thinkers are God's people? Who did he choose to be his disciples? Guys who, after they had been in Jesus' own seminary for three years, in Acts chapter 4, these guys uh, who they're preaching to after Jesus has gone back up into heaven, they're looking at these disciples and they're, they're going... Dude, these are pretty ordinary, unschooled men. Rule followers work their way back to God. Man, I'll tell you, one of your assignments for this week that I'm asking you to take a look at is read a gospel, right? Pick one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. When you do that, ask yourself, For whom does Jesus reserve his harshest rebukes? And you know who I think it is? The rule-following people. In fact, let me just share one example with you on that. Jesus once said to the Pharisees who came to him from Jerusalem, and and they asked him, Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus answered, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. That's good because it's Father's Day too, huh? But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God. If you say, look, what I wanted to to use to appreciate you as my dad, I'm, I'm giving it to God instead. You say he doesn't have to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions. And then he looks at them straight in the eye and he says, you hypocrites. (laughs) 
You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Become a monk and suffer for God so that you can, by your suffering, reach back to God. Well, that was the very antithesis of what Jesus himself did. One time Jesus was confronted by some people and they were noticing that his disciples were eating and drinking. And they tried to call Jesus on it. You know what he said to them? I'm the bridegroom. It is not right for those who are with the bridegroom to stop eating and drinking. In fact, on another occasion, he confronted some people who said, no one can please you people. John the Baptist, he came, he went out into the desert, he wore camel skin, he deprived himself, and you said he's a nutcase. And I come, and what do I do? I eat and I drink, and I live a normal life. And you don't like me either. You don't work your way back to God by suffering your way back to God because there is one who has suffered for you already, Jesus Christ. It's all about him, Paul says. Take a look at Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14. I didn't read those earlier. These are the verses that lead right into today's message. And Paul writes there, For he, that is Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Even the Psalms talk about God's purposes and plans, that from the very time when we sinned, God started a plan of sending his Son Jesus to suffer for us, to die for us, to rescue us from our sins, to redeem us. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the psalmist writes. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. God wants you to be blessed. And blessed through his son Jesus and the blood that he shed for you. He wants you to have forgiveness and life and salvation. He wants you to have the power to lead a new life here. He wants you to know him fully, both his holiness and his love. And he wants you to know his purpose for you. And his purpose was simple. His plan was simply to send his son Jesus to rescue you, to redeem you, and to set your feet on a new path that leads to heaven. That's his purpose for you in his son, Jesus Christ. Will you do me a favor? Let's go back. Let's flip the page now. Back to the very top. And I want to just really quickly read through Colossians 1, 15 to 23 again. And in there, I want you to see that Paul is saying the same things that we've just talked about. Christ is the picture of God's power for your life. Christ is the picture of God's personality. And finally, Christ is the picture of God's purposes for you. Take a look at this. For he, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He's the one who shows us what God looks like. 
the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. Well, think about your, I want you to think for a moment about your life. Are you struggling with someone or something right now that seems more powerful than you? Christ is before all things. He is the head of his universe. And in him, all things hold together. And he is also the head of the body, the church. By the way, nothing happens in the church without Christ wanting it to happen and allowing it to happen. And we have to remember that, not just here at Crosswalk, but in the entire church. Christ is the head of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy, the supremacy. Christ is a picture of God's power. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's God's love. But there's also God's holiness. Once you were alienated from God, weren't you? And were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. And now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. He's dealt with his own holiness by giving you Christ's holiness. Without blemish, you are today. You are free from accusation. And then finally he says, you want to know God's purpose for you? If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Your purpose is to know the salvation that God has planned and purposed for you through Jesus Christ and to share it with others. Pull out your uh, connection card, will you? On the back... I want to ask you to think about taking some next steps today. Would you be willing to check the box next to read a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and ask yourself as you read, what does Jesus show me about God's heart? Maybe you'd be willing to check the box next to the next one by looking at Christ in the gospels. Are you ready to form a picture of God in your mind that you can carry into your daily life to convict or comfort Or challenge you. And finally, a great verse to meditate on and memorize is Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. While I've got this out, don't forget that we love getting your prayer requests, and there's a place for that on the very bottom. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have given us your son, Jesus Christ. And truly, as you tell us in the Bible, it is all about him. Through him, you have brought us and drawn us back to yourself. Through Jesus Christ, who is the ruler of this universe, you've shown us your power, which is at work for us. 
You've shown us your personality, your holiness, and your love. And you've shown us that you have a purpose and a plan for each of us. Help us to know Jesus by your Spirit's power. Draw us to believe and trust in him and to be firm and steadfast in that faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.